Hi, Resurrection Church. Pastor Daniel here. And joining me today is Elder Kent. Say hi, Elder Kent. Hello, Resurrection Church. All right. Hey, uh, we're here in our uh, fireside chat uh, going through our cultural values. Um, and we've been doing that for a, a little while. And before we get started, Elder Kent, now you at some point were an oil man in Texas. Is that right? No, actually, I'm from Texas, from Texas. but I never worked in Texas. I uh, actually got out of school and went to the Rocky Mountains mm -hmm. and from the Rocky Mountains to Alaska back to the Rocky Mountains, uh, a few times overseas, but interestingly enough, never worked in Texas. Huh. But from the, the Rockies and Alaska, places with fairly cold climates, to Bakersfield, not known for its cold climate. <laughs> my wife loved it. Ah. Uh, she grew up in, my first wife, she grew up in North Dakota, and uh, when we came out here, uh, we still had you plugged in your cars in North Dakota mm -hmm. to circulating heaters right. for keeping them from freezing up. And people thought she had an electric car. <laughs> and she also, uh, she had uh, no need for a, a porch to put all the uh, boots and the coats and everything anymore she loved it she became a desert rat now in the south they call that a mud room did you guys mud have room, mud rooms yeah. okay. well it's a snow room snow mud room. room yeah mud room is That's so correct. uh never never lived in a place in my entire life that had a snow room mm -hmm. uh, i have family in georgia they have mud rooms but i've yeah. never lived in long term, I've never lived in a place that had a mud room because I've always lived in really dry, hot climates. Mm -hmm. And you know the interesting part? I hate hot, dry climates. <laughs> How amazing well, is that? Well, uh, you could just move to North Dakota anytime uh, you want to. As then. soon as God says go. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably going to be a while. I wouldn't advise it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not planning on taking off until <laughs> the Lord's leading. I mean, that's why I, I prayed so hard. Uh, this past year in 2022 for rain. Mm -hmm. Well, you did a good job. Lord delivered. I I just asked. Yeah. So absolutely. Now we're dealing with the flooding. It was you that did all yes. that. Well, it's God. It's God that did okay. that. Okay. So when people get flooded out, have they call can me. Blend it, blend have, it on have them call me. Uh, I was oh, definitely Pastor Daniel. Definitely yeah. my prayers. <laughs> you can stop praying now. By the way. Um. I'd like to tell you that I stopped, but I really enjoy the rain. So yeah, I'm just okay. praying that we the the water goes somewhere and everyone's Look safe. Out and, flood zone, Pastor uh, Daniel is praying. So my my theory is that is if Peacock Park floods over, that we'll finally deal with the squirrel problem because there you go, they can't make it. Yeah, maybe we'll have beavers then. <laughs> maybe so. Uh, we, we've been looking at our uh, core values over the course of this year. And the first value, and we've been looking at this for a, a couple sessions now, is the session of identity. And that value says this, believers are God's treasured possessions, sons and daughters of the king. We must realize this new identity by living dynamic, spirit-led lives with entirely new priorities and standards. Mm-hmm. Elder Kent, why do the uh, why did the elders believe that uh, this was such an important part of our church and of gospel culture? And you know why why is this even in here? I think it's 
so important to understand uh, who we are, um, how we got here, where we're, um, what we're here for, mm -hmm. and where we're going. Those are good, good things. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that in our discussions, it, we thought it was, it was very important for our church to realize that uh, we're creations of God. Mm. We're children of God. Uh, made in his image. And our only purpose for being here on earth is to, uh, to serve him <laughs> and to uh, make our lives point toward him. And so that becomes uh, extremely important um, that our identity reflects him. Mm. When people look at us, they identify us as children of God that we are. You said uh, who we are, how we got here, what we're doing and where we're going. And, you know, the interesting thing about how we got here, and I've been, I've been reading a book lately about this, and it's made this point a couple times, is that, you know, if you if a Christian would, would get a really clear view of how we got here, um, that could kind of stay in front of us that so we wouldn't keep forgetting, it would make us the most humble people on earth. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We have an amazing, huge God. I think the statement I heard was, uh, no one can be arrogant when standing in the shadow of the cross. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and really, it is that uh, perspective of what God did for us and how we got here uh, that is intended to really help us shape our identity, our identity really should be entirely shaped by the fact that we didn't earn any of this. Mm -hmm. We don't deserve any of this. Frankly, shouldn't be here right now, but mm -hmm. for the grace of God. And then, and that changes a lot of how we look at the world. Mercy and grace mm. is so important. It is. What, what do you think it would look like if uh, a whole church really began to kind of actively be able to grab hold of that perspective a uh, whole church begins to kind of walk in this humility of just realizing how how blessed they really are. Because I don't think we see a lot of examples of, you know, the, the whole church or most of the church doing that. I think you see mm -hmm. glimpses of it. But mm -hmm. what if the what would it look like if all of Resurrection Church really got their their minds around this idea that man we're we're just um we're just walking in grace. I mean we don't we don't deserve a single thing we got right now. Mm -hmm. I think it would uh, make a huge difference in how we treat one another, mm. how we view one another, um, and and just how we reflect to one another. It's true. I mean, we talk about joy being the inexpress or the, the the unavoidable marker of a Christian. Everywhere you see in the New Testament, when it talks about someone that's been saved. It's it's there's joy. It's just a marker. Mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily happy because circumstances can be tough, but joy. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's that would be a byproduct. You know, if people could really grasp like just how great of a uh, of a gift salvation was and Christ was, we would be much more joyful people. I think you're right. I think, uh, and and you're right. There's a there's a difference in happiness and joy, and the old saying that. Happiness comes from happenings, and <laughs> the outside, and 
Joy comes from within. Mm. And often you have to work at that. Yeah. Uh, you know, certainly uh, Carol and I work in grief share. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you still see joy in people, mm. even that are grieving. Mm. But perhaps not a lot of happiness. Right. Not in the season. Yeah. Uh, when he says, uh, we talk about living dynamic, spirit-led lives. You know, what does it look like for, for you, Elder Kent, to live a life sort of sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit? How do you, how do you follow the Holy Spirit? How are you sensitive to the Holy Spirit? How are you, how are you doing that in these, these later years of the faith, having gotten to mature in Christ? Mm-hmm. Well, it took me a long time. You know, it, uh, when I was young, uh, I spent uh, a lot of time trying to, trying to please people mm-hmm. and doing stupid things uh, to impress my buddies. And, and so uh, God took that away mm. through the blood of Christ. Okay, so um, I kind of lost the question. What was the question? Well, I mean, how do you, how, you know, I think one of the hardest things, uh, questions that I get, and even, even in my own life is, how, you know, how do, I, how, how do I understand the specific will of God? You know, how mm-hmm. do I stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit? How do I, the Holy Spirit's kind of wild sometimes. I mean, the things that you Christians are called to do oftentimes aren't very logical or analytical. I mean, what does it look like to, at, at 80 to follow the Holy Spirit and respond? Mm, to, okay, yeah. that's, uh, well, first of all, give up the life that I had. Yep, yep. That's number one. And then uh, I, I think, uh, you know, certainly intellectually, Scripture mm. is full of God's will. It's true. No doubt the things you read. But beyond that, you know, you ever have that, uh, you ever have that feeling that you need to call someone? Yep. And you call them up and they say, boy, you made my day. <laughs> yep. You know, so I guess uh, following a, uh, a gentle urge, urging and uh, nudge and when you feel it do it uh, do it do it show up right yeah love it i love it uh yeah i would say one of the things in my life that's been uh, very true is that uh, i hear the holy spirit a whole lot less when i'm busy mm. mm-hmm. so if i don't if i don't create intentionally create some margin in my life to talk to god to listen to god to just not be in a rush uh then I could look back at a week or a month and say, "Well, I don't know that I really, I don't know that I really heard from God much at all." Mm-hmm. Well, that is an advantage to being eighty years old, is I have a little more uh, time than you have. So, you never uh, thought you'd have more time at eighty, but there you go. <laughs> look at that. So, uh, yeah, so I do have more time to listen. It's good. It's good. Yeah. What do you think it would look like if? our whole church or a huge portion of our church begin to become very sensitive to the work of the Holy spirit. And, you know, when they got those gentle urges just responded and, uh, but that wasn't just happening with one or two people. It was happening with 200 people, 250 Mm, people. What do you think that would look like? I think you see people talking to one another a lot more. Mm, I think you see people interacting. I think you'd see people, uh, uh, doing things for people more. Mm. 
Yeah. How often do we think that, uh, you know, we need to take a, a, a meal to someone or something and uh, there's too much trouble. It's interesting because earlier today I was kind of, I was a little frustrated and uh, I was lamenting to a couple of people in, in a meeting that I, I felt like there's not enough people in our, in our leadership framework of, you know, we have a lot of levels of leadership here, but uh really taking initiative, grabbing something and just, just going and being proactive and getting it done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, I think I stated that wrong. I don't think that's the the right center of the frustration. I think really the frustration is actually more about uh, responding more quickly to work of the Holy Spirit, because I think that's often where really good, holy initiation and action comes from. And um, I think it would, I think it would solve the problem I was lamenting about. Mm. I have this thing about show up. Mm. It's, uh, and, and it's uh, true for a lot of uh, things that nothing gets done if you don't show up. Mm. And if the Holy Spirit nudges you, you need to show up. Agreed. If we don't show up, nothing is accomplished. Mm. That's good. Elder Kent, appreciate it. Thank you for stopping by today and hanging out and talking about uh, identity. My pleasure. Absolutely. Church, we hope uh, we hope you're well. We hope this blesses you. We hope this encourages you. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. We'll see you later.